Welcome to the Refresh and Restore Weekly Devotion, brought to you by JustKeithHarris.com. Thank you for joining us. We hope that you are refreshed and restored through our Bible study today. Welcome to this week's Refresh and Restore Bible Study. Going to do something just a tad bit different today. We're going to go back over a few things in some of the passages from our last couple of Bible studies so that we can make sure we have the appropriate context to understand where we go next, where we're transitioning into in the next part of the book of Colossians. So our passage today will be Colossians chapter 1, verse 24 through chapter 2, verse 10. Here's what the word of the Lord says. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea, and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. Greetings, Sojourners. For me, this is a week of transitions. I'm a public school teacher, so I've transitioned from the regular school year to summer. Uh, 
and I'm going to transition right back next week for summer school. And I also get to start my second trimester at William Carey next week. This, so this, to me, was a good time to look at the transition that Paul makes here in the book of Colossians. He spends so much time in the first chapter of Colossians sharing his love for them and the deep and beautiful Christological doctrines that they need. I've tried to show how he moves out of these topics into why he was writing to the churches uh, of Colossae and Laodicea in the first place, that there were false teachers and false gospel that had somehow made its way into their churches. He had shown them Christ and shown them love because he was about to have to tell them some things that they needed to hear that they might not want to hear. And since Paul's letter to the Colossians is essentially a letter from the Holy Spirit to every believer from then on until Christ's return, there are some things that we need to hear that we may not want to hear. This didn't get framed in my thinking until yesterday. Yesterday was supposed to be a quick and easy work day where we were going to be wrapping up the 2021-22 school year and getting just enough of a head start on next year to be able to dive into summer and relax. I had met with Jamie Harrison that morning for breakfast. Uh, you've heard him on the podcast before. He's kind of been the guy behind the guy as long as there's been a Just Keith Harris ministry. And so we met for coffee and we're reading Paul Tripp's Do You Believe together uh, on Tuesday mornings. Every teacher up and down my hallway was laughing. They were jovial. There were just a few things on the agenda, and the pace and atmosphere of the day reflected that until my phone started ringing. I had been discussing the last few things that needed to be done with our ELA specialist, so I silenced my phone. No sooner than I hit the silence button that another teacher bust into my room. Xander's busted his head. He's in Candace's room. It's bleeding pretty bad. Dropped everything. I ran. My mind was racing faster than my legs. There was already a crowd around Candace's door, and their faces were pale. But then again, seeing someone bleeding pretty bad will do that to you, especially if it's a head wound. Candace, of course, had everything under control um, by the time I got down there. Xander, on the other hand, was in full-blown freak-out mode. He's, he's crying, he's upset, and all he wants to know is, am I going to have to go to the doctor? And the school nurse arrived, checked him out, and when she saw the wound, and Candace and I really saw the wound for the first time, it was clear to everyone we were going to the doctor. We did our best as parents to, to push our fear down and just let the mama and daddiness show forth. But with that, there had to be questions of what happened and how did it happen and how brother and sister had managed to produce such an emergency in such a quick time span. Long story short, what Candace and I had told both of them hundreds of times in their lives 
and Candace had literally just reiterated to them, was ignored. They were roughhousing. No one was angry. I'm thankful that my children do enjoy um, playing together. But the roughhousing ended with Xander's hard head against a harder object and the skin of his forehead in between. As I drove and, and had to drive faster than I like to with kids in the car while Carrie cried out of worry and Candace held a cloth and ice pack to his forehead, I couldn't help but ask myself the question that every parent, and Lord knows my parents, had to ask. Why didn't they just listen to us? I wasn't trying to assign blame or, or to punish. It was an accident. But I was scared myself. I could see Candace's eyes in the rearview mirror. She was scared. There were plenty of what-ifs. Our wonderfully precocious and hard-headed boy's head is precious to us. That's why we tell him what not to do and tell him again and again and going to have to keep telling him over and over until the wound is officially closed. But that's what God has done for us and is doing for us in his word. It's what Paul was doing for the Colossian and Laodicean churches and what God still actively does for his people through his spirit when they read the word or hear it preached. And that's what we need to get today before we move on to next week where Paul specifically talks about the teachings regarding the false teachers in Colossae. The first thing that we need to understand in this discussion is that context is key. If you've been reading the Bible studies I send out or post here or have just begun and are going to continue in them, you'll notice that I talk about context often. I believe one of the most dangerous questions that a believer can ask is what a particular verse means to you or to them. See, the Bible means what God meant. The original authors, inspired by his spirit, meant what the context of the original writing meant. Jesus didn't proclaim that he was a truth or a way to life, but the way, the truth, and the life. The Bible means what it means. In today's time, that's a difficult concept for many people. The idea of truth is largely divided between two filters, one being moral relativism and the other postmodernism. Basically, moral relativism means that each individual gets to define their truth, and postmodernism denies that truth even exists unless an individual sees a truth of their own. Yet the Bible defines itself outside of those filters. The Bible claims to present truth. Look at how Paul describes the Bible, how the Holy Spirit himself describes his word in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. It says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. That sentence, in the context of the letter of 2 Timothy, and especially in the context of that particular section, uh, 
shows us not only what that sentence means, but by doing just that, it clarifies the importance of Scripture and context. Just prior to verses 16 and 17, Paul is reminding Timothy of the sacred writings, the Old Testament Scriptures that he had been taught from by his mother and grandmother, scriptures that are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. This emphasizes how important the word of God is for a person being saved, namely that the word of God is a necessity for one to be saved. Immediately after verses 16 and 17, we see Paul charging Timothy and every other pastor after him in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus to preach the word. Again, the context matters. Scripture is essential to salvation and is clarified to be the only substance of preaching. So, look back at those two verses, 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17. It says that God breathed out Scripture. He produced it. Now, this is where a lot of people decide that this is too much for them. God's word, just like he does, it must be understood in faith. So if a person doesn't believe in Jesus, naturally they're going to deny any divine origin of Scripture. And likewise, if you deny God's word by ignoring it, not believing it, or simply refusing to let it interrupt your best life, you probably don't believe in him. God breathed out his word to be profitable in the lives of his people. And look at the things it says. It's profitable for teaching. That is, teaching right beliefs or doctrine. It's profitable for reproof, correcting wrong beliefs or wrong doctrine. It's profitable for correction, that Holy Spirit conviction of behaviors and lifestyles that are contradictory to God's standard of righteousness. And it's also profitable in training in righteousness. That is the word teaching us how the creator of the universe, the author of life, meant for, that, for, for life to be lived best. It contains everything that can be known about God. It's enough through the empowering of God's spirit to make every Christ follower complete and equipped for every good work. Consequently, the book that I mentioned that Jamie and I have been reading put this in a more beautiful way than I've ever heard and definitely more eloquently than I could ever put it. You see, I can give you thick theological answers as to why Scripture is important. I can try to break it down as best I can, which is what I'm trying to do here. But the way Paul Tripp put this brings tears to my eyes and And it talks about this in a way that absolutely reflects the context we need to see for why Paul was was telling these things to the Colossian church. Listen to this quote. When you get the word of God, you also get the God of the word. And that's a beautiful thing. So 
what I plan on doing in the Bible study today to help us get that context, to help us not just engage in a study of the Word of God, but engage in life with the God of the Word, is we're going to take a, a few key phrases, some sentences from verses that our last few Bible studies covered so that we can understand the context better. And I hope that this will help us understand what God would teach us through this study. So we're going to do a little reteaching and remediation of Colossians 1, 24 um, through 2, 10. See, there was a time when how I taught the Bible and how I taught English was more independent from each other. I tried to be what the School of Education at Ole Miss taught me to be in the classroom, and then I tried to be what New Orleans Seminary taught me to be in the pulpit. Well, I don't quite fit either mold, so now I, I just teach how I teach and, and grow in that teaching and change and learn in hopes of, of helping in whichever context, helping people to learn what they need to learn. I say that because school teacher me is leaking over into our Bible study today. You see, I have standards that cover various facets of 10th grade English. Whenever I teach the standards, whether it be central idea, theme, point of view, rhetoric, etc., it's not about my lesson. It's about what the kiddos need and whether or not they, they get it. In some cases, when they don't get something, I, I just teach it again and, and change my methods to, to adapt to what they need as a class. But there are times when teachers need to break everything back down almost to square one and, and try a whole different approach so that the kids get what they need. And I'm trying to bring a little of that reteaching and remediation to our Colossians study because God's allowed me to be a part in your walk with him. And like Paul, I want to present everyone mature in Christ. So we're going to break it down a little bit. I've picked out nine phrases or sentences from our passage that we read at the beginning of today's Bible study. And we're going to have the opportunity to see maybe what God wants us to get and the context that helps us get it the way he meant it. So I'll list, I'll read the phrase or sentence, tell you what verse it's from, and then um, I'll try to be clear and concise or as clear and concise as I am capable. The first is from chapter 1, verse 24 where it says, In my flesh I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church. Our last two Bible studies looked at Paul's sufferings, and we need to understand that Paul wasn't being punished here. He, he also wasn't complaining about the sufferings, nor was he bragging about his ability to endure sufferings. You see, these people at Colossae had, had never met him. He was an apostle, and, and that's a specific office that only existed at the beginning of the early church, beginning in Acts and going until those apostles died. Paul, as an apostle, was given a certain authority to teach them and help them to have the necessary foundation they needed as 
individual believers, but especially as a church. And so he was willing to suffer for the church and for them specifically. And they needed to know that. I I know that if Candace, my wife, was to be in need and I wasn't available to uh, immediately be there, if she was in an emergency situation, there are folks who would do what needs to be done. I know that my my brothers, Kevin and Aaron, they both dropped what they were doing and have come to her aid at different times when it was just going to take too long for me to get there. I know that they would suffer for my kids and I would suffer for theirs. I would do the same things for them. I have brothers at church as well who willingly help bear my burdens even when they have more on them already than they should. They are willing to add mine without a single thought. You see, knowing these things, that impacts my relationship with all of them. And that's what the Colossian church needed with Paul. They needed to know that Christ would take care of his bride and that Paul had that kind of care, that kind of willingness for them. Second phrase comes from chapter 1, verse 25, where it says, to make the word of God fully known. You see, this is the point of the ministry of Paul as an apostle and Epaphras as the pastor of the Colossian church. That's my goal in these weekly Bible studies. It's my goal as one of the pastors at Christ Community when I get to teach and disciple there. Full disclosure here, if your pastor has a platform for ideals and not a pulpit for preaching the word, you need to move on. The word of God, all of it, not just the parts that make your heart flutter or that you can be willing to let your toes get stomped on. The word of God fully known, this is what we need to be mature in Christ. See, you can have a Ph.D. in world issues. You can have your preferred national platform or the soapbox of your choice. But if you're ignorant of the word, none of it's going to matter in the long run because there's no long run for anything other than God's kingdom work and what we see um, proclaimed in his word. Third phrase comes from chapter 1, verse 28 where it says, Him we proclaim, talking of Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Again, preaching and teaching the word and living it out through continual repentance and faith is what is called for here. If you want to grow closer to Christ, you need to be fed by his word. It, it, it reminds me of, of why I chose to share what happened with Xander yesterday. It, it's because we care for him. We love him. We've warned and warned and warned that something could happen. And for a seven-year-old boy, you, you think your parents are just being overprotective. And there are definitely times where that is probably the case. But yesterday, all of that came literally crashing into reality. God's word warns us so that we have opportunity to trust him and to do what it says and not deal with all the heartache that comes with it. That's how you grow closer to Christ. But 
if you don't want him and you don't want his word interfering in your life, you want to just have your life the way it is and then kind of relegate the word to like an hour or so on Sunday, you need to understand that's a big deal. Hence the warning everyone and teaching everyone. I, of all people, hate being corrected, but I would hate it more to stand before Jesus and have him tell me, I never knew you. Depart from me, you worker of lawlessness. So when you see these things and you hear these warnings, it would be like ignoring the bridge outside and saying, oh gosh, I guess they just didn't put it up and then crashing into a ravine. But this ravine is eternal. Next passage comes from chapter 1, verse 29 where it says, For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Y'all, the ministry of the word, discipling other believers and helping them grow to maturity in their faith is worth toiling over. Y'all, it is work, it is hard, but the strength comes from Christ. If Paul was willing to work and suffer for this, you got to ask yourself, why aren't we willing to do it? Why aren't we toiling for it? Um, and, and this is where I find myself um, repenting currently. Next passage uh, comes from chapter 2, verse 2, uh, where it says, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. All right. Preaching and teaching the Bible is not about knowledge. You know, I mentioned earlier that I have things that my school kids need to learn from me. I help them get the knowledge they need, and that knowledge helps them on their way to the adult they're becoming. And I absolutely love teaching literature and writing, but the gospel is different. The gospel is rich, right? I can take a Shakespearean sonnet and understand absolutely everything it has to offer based on the training I've had and the years I've read. I, I can take it and, and wring it out. But reaching all the riches of full assurance and understanding of the gospel is too lofty a goal for me to reach. I, I can't do it on my own. I need God's spirit because it's so rich and so valuable that I can't help but pursue it and teach it and write about it. And that's the way it should be. Next um, seventh uh, phrase comes from chapter 2, verse 4. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. There is a seemingly inexhaustible inexhaustible supply of people who are trying to delude you false teaching is gonna make sense and that's why spending time in the word is so important if you spend more time in the world the false teaching is gonna sound so much better to you but that's what you're being fed with it's like not being able to tell the difference between scammers on the phone and legitimate callers but the difference is that false teachers, they don't, they don't want your social, social security number. They're after your soul. This is a good time to remediate something 
that I said above, if you are letting, quote, preachers speak into your life about worldly things that to an earthly extent do matter at the expense of preaching the word, you're a victim of a false teacher, or at the very least, a preacher who cares more for whatever he wants to talk about than the sheep he's supposed to be feeding with the word. Eighth phrase comes from chapter 2, verse 6, that we studied last week. As you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. This reiterates the importance of the word in the life of the church. The church in America is currently being called out for not so walking in him. Receiving Christ means living like he's taught in his word. When Roe versus Wade is appealed, are you as a believer going to be willing to foster or adopt? Is your pro-life going to extend from an ideology of America or a political platform into James one twenty two, where it says, be hearers of the word, I mean, doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. Where just four verses later, it says, pure and undefiled religion is this, visiting orphans and widows in their affliction. The world is already calling us out on this. And we need to repent and be willing to walk as we receive Christ Jesus the Lord or realize that there's something wrong in that. Uh, I am a Southern Baptist and just got through reading the report of how too many people in my denomination cared more about getting sued or earthly liability than in caring for people that they could have protected and most definitely should have ministered to. I mean, continuing on in James, you get to James chapter 2, mercy triumphs over judgment. And then faith without works is dead. What good is it to tell someone, oh, well, just go and if somebody comes to you hungry and cold, you say, well, go and uh, get warm, be fed, good luck. What kind of faith is that? What kind of ministry is that? That's not reflecting what Christ does for those who receive him, that he brings them from death to life. Walking in him it might mean that we're hated as he was hated. It might mean, it definitely means that we need to love like he loved. We need to live like he lived. It, it might even mean dying like he died. But if you've not received Christ Jesus, the Lord, though, if you've not been saved, you're going to walk away when it gets to this point. Our ninth um, phrase comes from chapter 2, verse 8. To see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. This is where we're going to pick up next week. We're going to dive specifically into this and the rest of that paragraph following it. And we see here that it's our responsibility that no one takes us captive. This is important. We need to be testing the spirits uh, of those claiming to preach the word. We need to be testing whether the spirit of God is in us too. And absolutely test what you read here or you listen to here in these Bible studies as well. And so to wrap up and and bring all this together, I, I hope 
that this has helped you understand the importance that the word plays in the life of a believer and in the life of individual churches. Uh, I'm praying for you, dear sojourner, and more than that, I'm thankful that the God of the word is sovereign and omnipotent and cares for folks like you and me. You know, there is so much going on in the world today with shootings in Buffalo and in Texas and so many things going on. I, I ask that if you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, that you do definitely pray for those who have have been harmed or those who have lost loved ones and in the wickedness and evil that has been committed. But if you're in a position to do something to be the hands and feet of Christ, I, I urge you, don't just say go and be warmed and filled. Don't do as I mentioned that the SBC has done and be worried more about yourself or your institution. Sometimes walking in Christ just means responding as as he did and then the surpassing worth of knowing him covering any of the fallout that comes because he is worthy. Again, I'm praying for you. If you need something, feel free to reach out. God bless. We thank you again for listening. You can find the written copy of this devotion, complete with links to the scripture passages that were cited throughout, on our website, JustKeithHarris.com, as well as other writings, projects, and Bible studies. Refresh and Restore is based out of Peter and John's sermon in Acts 3 and 4, specifically Acts chapter 4, verses 19 through 21, where Peter says, Repent, therefore, and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. The times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Unless otherwise noted, all scripture passages are cited from the English Standard Version. JustKeithHarris.com is affiliated with Christ Community Church in Grenada, Mississippi. If you would like to contact us, you may do so through our website.